What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? We're back. This week we got a special treat for you, but I'm not going to lie, we had some technical difficulties. We had to record through our guests' connection, and there's been a lot of editing, and so there ain't going to be no prayer on this one. We're just going to dive right into it, uh, and I'm sorry for any kind of uh, quality issues that we have on this show. I'm working with the best... Uh, that I had at the time, but we sat down with uh, David Paxton and talked about his new book, Contracts, really enlightening conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Check it out. Enjoy. With so much division in the body of Christ, it's important to come to one accord when you can. That's why most denominations agree that the Better Insurance Agency is the right choice for your insurance needs. At the Better Insurance Agency, we care enough about your home and auto insurance to push through doctrinal disputes. Because when it comes to the gift of good coverage, there's no cessation here. So head to the www.thebetterquote.com to begin switching to the Better Insurance Agency, currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Hi, this is Derek Gilbert. If you want to know your Bible, you have to dig, and you're in the right place. This is the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to, to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. As you guys always say on the show, you, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God's be like, hello, McFly! You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? David, we thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with us today. We met back in October at the Spiritual Warfare Conference put on by here, the Watchman, and I believe that was in Kentucky. Really enlightening conversation, and I love your perspective on 
the biblical view of contracts. So if you could just uh, walk us through that and uh, tell us who you are and introduce yourself for our listeners. Oh, okay. It's going to be... Uh... Going to be interesting. We are right now. I have, um, the Lord gave me the hidden day, and uh, that is a reference uh, to what is commonly known as Rosh Hashanah, which is Hebrew for head of the year or the, the Jewish New Year. Um, but it was also called Yom Teruah, which means a day of blowing trumpets. So that's the day of blowing trumpets is, uh, you know, because they had the festival and it, that's where the last trump came from. Uh, in the, there's a term used, the Teruah HaKadah, something like that. Some other Hebrew name uh, for the last trump. But it's also known as Yom HaKaseh, which means the hidden day. And it, it has, takes on that name uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you, no one knows the day or the hour. We've heard that expression because the day doesn't actually show up until two priests confirm the first sighting the sliver of the new moon and that's when the day starts uh so the new month doesn't start until then and all of this is a reference uh to jesus return that's the next feast day to be fulfilled so i figure well i'm looking for that hidden day so let's just go with the name the hidden day uh, but that's where that all comes from. Um, I was actually um, born again at 15. Um, you know, my parents were uh, alcoholics and, you know, just abusive and all that stuff. And I, I kind of yelled at God. I said, you're not real. Or why would I be in this situation? Something to that extent. So I essentially I asked him to prove himself to me. And he's like, okay. So... I wound up at a youth group, and I was there because they had a foosball table, of all things. Uh, and I was like a, a, a champion foosball player at 15. So I was like, I'm going to go and show all these people how to play foosball. And they wound up, you know, showing me the gospel. And that's essentially where God, they started reading out of, of Revelation. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, and I'm reading all this stuff, and it's like, how did he write that 2,000 years ago? And here it is. It's all coming true today. I said, if someone is outside of time and space like that, he, he has to be the creator of the universe. So that's, that's how he proved himself to me, is prophecy. And even in Revelation 19.10, uh, you know, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That's what it is. It says that's the only way we could figure this out. There is no other book in the world. The Quran doesn't have that. The, uh, the yogi books don't have that. No other book in the world can say, I wrote this 2,000 years ago, and it's coming true exactly perfect today. Uh, so that convinced me that the Bible was true. And if the Bible's true, it says that Jesus is the Savior. Um, and so I guess I got to go with that. So he proved himself to me, and I've just been uh, chasing him down ever since. Uh, so it's, it's been glorious. In the past, uh, I'd say, about nine months now, he's really led me down another path uh, of the even the book I'm writing, uh, what's called Generational Contracts. Um, and that's that's how you and I got into a conversation. Yeah. Yep. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did an episode on the uh, the review of that conference and how we met you at the dinner and how you were our speaker at our table. But at first, you know, we didn't realize that. 
you know, we thought you was part of the film crew or something like that because you was working on your computer, but you was uh, preparing for your speech. But I remember you looked up and started talking to us and told us who you were and about your books. And we started talking about, you know, the contract view of things. And you even let us uh, take a sneak peek at your book. Uh, but, yeah, we had some really just mind-blowing conversations at that table. I'm just really glad that we met and had that conversation. Uh, but, yeah, we, we went through all that in that episode where we gave basically like a review of the Spiritual Warfare Conference. Yeah, so um, it's it's been uh, quite a revelation to the point where I've pretty much everyone I've ever gotten to actually explain this whole thing to immediately repented and received the Lord because they got it. And we're going to get into that. How long do we have anyway? Or we just go. You just go, brother. Let it rip, tater chip. Concept came down, but it started with, you know, we're, we have the C2K report we do with Rick and Randy. And, um, you know, we're starting the C2K East with uh, Mike Spaulding and myself as well. That stands for the Clash of Two Kingdoms. And that started opening up about a year and a half ago, opening up. And he, he gave me a great revelation about being an ambassador for Christ. And what does that mean? Whereas if we're an ambassador, that means we have an embassy, which means, okay, that means everything I own belongs to the Lord. It's like the U.S. has an embassy in France or Germany. That's U.S. territory. Well, it's the same thing. The kingdom of heaven territory is here in my house. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord because I'm an ambassador for Christ. And I have full power and authority. So it's exactly, if when I speak, it's exactly as if Jesus Christ himself is speaking to you because of the power and authority that he gave me as an ambassador, as a child of the king. And he says, all power and authority I gave unto you. So when I go around, you know, the devils tremble because they see me coming. It's like, whoa, that dude knows his authority uh and he's going to tell us out so we he, he panned that out for a little bit and then he's like okay now i'm going to get into you know where that authority comes from and it just started with the whole idea of contracts all right and then he, he really pushed the um the concept of christianese i call it so how long have you guys been saved yeah, me and Ben both been in the church since we've been little boys, so we've both saved around eight or ten years old. But you know, I rebelled pretty hard. Fortunately, I rebelled before I got saved, so I didn't have to do it after. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where was I? Oh, yeah. We always speak Christianese, okay? And it's all this stuff that we kind of get as Christians. You know, we talk about uh, repenting. We talk about. Um, you know, you got to give your life to the Lord. You talk about all these different things. Let me see if I can find any. Uh... Yeah, and I get what you're saying, you know, with the whole Christianese thing, you know, redemption, salvation. All these are words that are thrown around so much, and if you're exposed to it for so long, they kind of lose their meaning after a while. Yep. Yeah, and that that's kind of the problem is we speak Christianese, we really don't know what it means. Like, really, what does it mean to repent? What does communion mean? Well, you know, what does that mean, um, you know, we're saved? Well, saved from what, exactly? And so it's all these different things, and we're talking to people in a language that they don't understand. And here in New York City, I see that a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a uh, business-to-business uh, salesperson, and I go in, and, and all the different, there's, there's over 200 languages spoken right here in Queens. 
So you can pretty much guarantee you're going to walk in and they don't speak English. The um, And you walk in and they just look at you and smile and go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they have absolutely no idea what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, can I have all the money in the drawer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So here we are trying to get people saved with Christianese. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's define all these words. So, and that, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I love digging into the actual words and finding out what they really mean. So, the um, first thing was we always heard of generational curses, right? Mm. Um, how many times have we heard that? Well, okay, great. Well, what is a curse? Well, what is a blessing? What does that mean? Yeah, oh, I'm blessed. Really? Why? What does that mean? Describe that to me. Well, you know, I'm blessed. Okay. Too blessed to be stressed. You know, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Highly favored and blessed among men. Yeah, okay. What does that mean? So we started digging into it and it looked into generational curses. And there's also generational blessings, which we don't understand. Both of those are actually embodied in contracts. And that's where the name was born out of, generational contracts. Because the word says, you know, a, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, and I will visit the iniquities of the fathers unto the third and the fourth generation. Right? Oh, yeah. Solomon's a prime example. You know, he wasn't blessed for anything he'd done. He was blessed for his father. And the, uh, so we got that. We got the, the Ten Commandments. Um, and they all say the same thing. All right. And, you know, a curse without a cause shall not come. You know, we see that in Proverbs. So we see all these different terms. What does that mean? So let's go back to the contracts. All right. Any questions before I ramble on some more? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> okay. So um, it starts, everything starts and ends with a contract. The word of God itself is a contract. And when you understand these things, there's so many powerful uh, truths that are, it basically shines a light. You know, the light of the world literally shines right on top of it. And you can see what it means. Now, when he created Adam and Eve, what did he tell them to do? He told them to tend the garden, have dominion over it. Yep, have dominion over land, air, and water animals, and... Um, and, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Uh, and one more thing, don't eat that, okay? Those are all contract terms. Very simple. Here's your contract. You can live in this wonderful garden. You could walk with me all the time, um, and you're going to take care of it, and I'm going to, you know, love on you and provide food for you, and, and we're going to walk together as father and son. And then, you know, out of the gate, what happens? Eve rebelled. She ate the fruit. Yeah, yeah. And she broke the contract. You follow me? So what yeah. are the terms and conditions of the contract? Well, here we go. Curses. They were evicted. Well, yeah. e even, even deeper than that, it's the exact opposite. All right, and curses and blessings. When we when we get to Deuteronomy 28, you'll see you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the basket, blessed in the store. And if you don't listen to God, then you'll be cursing the city, cursing the field, curse coming in, curse going out. You know, so it's literally the opposite. So we see that. Yeah. We see the opposite with Adam and Eve. Now, be fruitful and multiply turned into pain and childbearing. 
So yeah. now we see, hey, you're going to eat all this cool fruit and stuff, and now you got to till the ground to get anything out of it. All right, because the terms and conditions stated that, and right, and now having dominion over the animals, now we're scared of the animals. You know, try poking a bear, see what happens. Where before you would poke the bear and tell him to get, he get back in your cave. You know, um, so now it it flipped it on its head, and all the terms and conditions of the contract were flipped. And as we know, the wages of sin is. Death. Boom. Death means separation. All right, that's literally what the word means. So now you're separated from God, and that's what happened in the garden. All right? So now we've become indebted to Satan. Yes, and he tricked you. Now he has that contract because he's the one that yep. tricked you by fraud and deceit, which is a contract term. You're going to have to remember that. So he basically he lied. Mm. Did God really say that? You know, that was the doubt at first. And then he said, no, 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 no. You won't die. So, boom, there's the lie. Tricked Eve into a contract. He even said, ye shall be as gods. You know, that was a lie. And one thing you'll notice in the original, too, it says, um, chapter 3. Yeah, it says, and the Lord God, so it's Yahweh Elohim, made all that there is, and it was good. And then the serpent came along and said, Elohim. Elohim didn't say that. So right from the beginning, we see. So I would say, man, the Lord God made this. And he would come by and say, God didn't mean that. So he diminished the thought of God being all powerful. Yahweh took his title away. All right. And he, that's how he started. Oh, God didn't say that. You can be like God, you know. And because that's the same word, Elohim and then Elohim, you can be like gods. And we translate it as plural, but it was plural in both cases. Because, yeah. you know, Father God goes by Elohim, which is plural. So here we are, we messed up the contract, and now the wages of sin is death, which we all heard and we all know, but now we know it's a contract term, and we literally have to pay that, okay? Now... It goes on to our children because we're born into contract. Just like if your parents own an egg farm, which would be brilliant right now, they, <laughs> you would inherit the egg farm. You know, you inherit everything that they got, basically. But you also inherit the contract of sin. So, and he tricked us, and he doesn't want us to know that. So... He has his little little lawyer demons that are all over the contracts, and they kind of poke around, and we call them, you know, hereditary things or generational curses. Like if you have hereditary diabetes, they just want to make sure that you get on their pharmacia. So that's why they say, oh, it's hereditary. You got to check for it. You know, get your prostate checked, you know, and get all this stuff. Um <laughs> Because you say, well, if your dad had it, your heart disease, then you're probably not. No, uh, sorry, I repent, which means I rescind my signature on that contract. I recognize the contract. It was fraud and deceit. Uh, I'm not party to that anymore. Thanks very much. So, yeah, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but one thing that pops in my mind when you talk about this is drugs and alcohol. You know. My father was really bad on drugs and alcohol. My uncles were. 
You know, when these kids are around all these drugs and alcohol, they they normalize it. They're desensitized to it. And when they experiment with it, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, my father did it, my grandfather did it, and I'm going to do it too. It just, it does. It kind of desensitizes uh, the children. And then also it's just a, a normalization. But I had never seen it as, you know, generational curses or contracts you know, even the, the words that people speak. I remember my grandfather, when I'd get in trouble when I was little, he would joke and laugh and say, well, the boy come from bad seed. You know, he didn't mean to, but he was speaking a curse over me. Yeah, you see, we all know this. But that simple concept of a contract brings it all together. And then we're going to see at the end how, well, if that's a contract, then I can get out of the contract. And there's a couple ways to get out. And they're simple, and we don't have to do the work. Because someone else did it for us. I think uh, the a very good point you made is words are contract. Because contracts are made of words. It's as simple as that. So, you know, we, we had that thing when we were a kid. Oh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, I've got hit with a lot of rocks and a lot of sticks, and I don't remember them at all. But I remember the words my mother spoke over me to this day. So, yeah, words are those powerful things, and they are those contracts, exactly like you just said. That's why, because he says, I will visit the iniquities of the fathers unto the third and the fourth generation. So if you wind up doing it, then it's three and four generations down from you. And these things can perpetuate for centuries, even. All right? And that's why we see certain nationalities um, have different idiosyncrasies because of these generational curses until they get out of them. <clears throat> so how do you get out of them, you say? Uh, funny you should ask. So, and I, I've spoken to, um, uh, I just had a friend who is a, uh, a Muslim, and I spoke to him about this. Boom. Picked it up immediately and say, wow. You know, and realize that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> how does that happen? I've seen, you know, criminals, and they've, they've gotten... Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, going into jail again. And, and like, oh, man, it's, I, I always get mad. I get mad at my girl, my baby mama. And they're like, I don't know why I keep doing this. I said, well, did your father do it? Well, yeah. I said, well, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. That is a contract. You want to get out of it? He's like, yeah, I could finally see it, you know. Um, so you explain, this is a contract, you, you got tricked into it, you don't have to do it anymore, there's someone who paid for your contract, okay, and now he's going to buy you out and give you a new contract, and we're going to go there too, and I, I'm going to show you definitively how the new contract works. So here we are, we're tricked into it by lies, fraud, and deceit, and the devil wants to attach his demons to that to keep reminding the next generation that they have all of these things uh, and they include sickness um, I am of the opinion that the vast majority of sicknesses are, are merely you know demon um, I wouldn't say uh, possession but oppression because yes. you know, we, we can't be possessed uh, by a devil because that means he owns us and clearly Jesus owns us because he redeemed us and redeemed means to purchase all right, so he purchased us. He literally bought us off the slave market. Um, so let me touch on that slave thing real quick. We were we were all once slaves to the devil because of these contracts, correct? 
and legally, I might add. So here we are. Um, I'm just typing down my notes. I've got to get into double-minded in a bit, too. So um, here we are. We're in these legal contracts that the devil has that he didn't tell us about. And this is how, this is how lawyers get you all the time. Well, ignorance of the law is no excuse, right? If I don't know the law of gravity, if I jump off a building, it's still going to work. If you're a slave, do you have a choice of what you're going to be doing as a slave? So the slave owner buys one lady, and she's going to be the housekeeper. But the other lady, she's going to be the concubine, okay? And then the kids, they're going to go do stuff in the field, and the man, we're going to have him building over here. They have no choice or say in the matter. So when we're looking at people and... Don't judge them. They're slaves, and they they don't necessarily have a choice in that and where they were as slaves. And not until they're free in Christ can they make decisions for themselves, which I would behoove them to make you know the decisions that Jesus would make. But he still gives us that free will. But as slaves of the devil, a lot of times people don't have that choice. Like, like you said, they were born into things and uh you know some some worse than other born into you know uh tragically trafficking you know they're born into that they they don't with their kids how are they going to fight that so you can't really look at people and judge them like that and i think all too often the church does that not realizing that you know but for the grace of god there go i so are we we need to be cognizant of that and get people out of those contracts so since words are contracts and the wages of sin is death, there's another contract um, maxim, and that is like kinds. So in order to be have a valid contract, it has to be the same kind. Okay, so the devil tricked us because we're not spirit beings, so he tricked us into this. But since we are men, a legal way to pay that is have a man pay that debt. You with me? Now, when you brought this point up, it really blew my mind. You know, this was a, the light bulb paradigm shift moment for me. Everything made more sense now. Why Jesus had to come. The Nephilim giants. Now, it just ties all those loose ends together because they have to be like kinds for binding contract law. Yeah, this is, this is really exciting. Now, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, as, as part of the contract, if I'm a man, God cannot come down and pay my contract. He can't. He's not a man. It doesn't fit the bill. All right? The only one who can do it is another man or me. All right? That's specifically why Jesus had to come as a man. It is specifically why his favorite name for himself is the Son of Man. Okay, and we see that all over the book of Enoch. Enoch told us about this before the flood. Hey, the Son of Man is going to come, the Son of Man. Because they knew Adam fell, and it has to be man that pays that contract, and this is the Son of Man. We got the first Adam and the last Adam. Okay, he's the last one because that's it. He's done. So, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, all right, he was the Son of God because he had to be both infinite to pay for everybody's sins and he had to be a man simultaneously 
If you do not believe that, whether or not you understand it is not the question. Your yes. sins are not paid for. That's a problem. Yeah, that's the spirit of Antichrist right there. Yeah, and now you have to pay for your sins. Because somebody has to pay for those sins. The wages is death or separation. So he was separated from God and paid on our behalf. All right? That's why when you talk to a Muslim and they're like, oh, no, God didn't have a son. And Jesus was just a good prophet. And Judas was made to look like Jesus. They put a mask on him. And he was the one that really died on the cross. Baloney. All right, then your sins aren't paid for, and they can't possibly be. And this is how I got my the Muslim friend to understand this. Now, he's like, oh, I get it. I see that, yes, a man has to pay for a man's sins. That's the only way it can happen. Mm -hmm. All right? Now, how did he do that? Now, this is where everybody understands, uh, like, within a minute. They get it. Well, you have that old contract, right? Yes. All right. Well, to repent literally means to reconsider, change your mind, and go in another direction, which in contract terms is rescind your signature. I was tricked into this. Therefore, this contract is no longer valid. I remove my signature from this. So when you repent, you're rescinding your signature on any previous contracts which would include any of your father's contracts, your grandfather's contracts, ad infinitum, all the way back to Adam. That's why it's extremely important if you want to break free from any addiction, if you want deliverance of any kind, you need to understand the contracts you're under. All right? And you need to repent of them. I had to repent because, remember, telling you about that kid that went to pay foosball, I would read the horoscopes. All right. And if you're reading the horoscopes or going to a medium or a fortune teller or doing tarot cards or anything like that, you are putting that thing as God telling you your future above almighty God. And you shall have no other gods before me. And I will visit the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and the fourth generation. So you are still under that curse, even if your grandmother did it. And your grandmother never told you. So I had to repent. I literally had to go back and say, those demons, I, I bind that strong man. You get out of here. I rescind my signature on that contract. You're no longer valid here. I'm going to go with the new contract of Jesus, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So I had to go back and do that. That released a lot of things in me. Okay, I'd have released. My parents were drunk, even though I never took a drink because of that. All right, which is good. However, I was still bound by the contract. You see? So a lot of things were happening in my life as if I were an alcoholic. You know, I would I would lose jobs. I would you know, lose relationships and you know, get all this anger and all this stuff. I'm like, where is this coming from? Because Satan didn't want to tell me that he had a contract. All right? So a lot of times it was, um, you know, my, my mother always told me I was no good. So I always I always had a feel like I had to prove myself and make people like me which is where most comedians get their stuff from because they try and make people like them and laugh and that's how they get funny so I was funny but it was it was a it was being a clown so I like being funny and not being a clown anymore now I don't have that contract anymore I don't have to prove myself to anyone you, you jive in here 
Now, I had mentioned this earlier. I just wanted to elaborate more on it. You know, this whole contracts view with the like kinds, that makes a whole lot more sense now when you look at Genesis 6. Satan could not take dominion away from us. He was not a like kind. So therefore, when he plotted with the fallen angels to corrupt the DNA of mankind, so they were part human. So when we traded away our dominion for this knowledge, it was legal. Technically, it was legal because they were part human. And when you stop and you think about that, it's like there's a reason why he was said to be the most crafty. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Yep. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. That's a brilliant observation where he was, he, you couldn't take over the earth as a spirit being. He had to have human DNA in there. And so he's, yeah. he's figures simultaneously, I'll mess up the human DNA. Now it's not purely human. And, and then I'll have human DNA and I will win the contract of the earth because the yes. contract was for that. And he said, he figured, hey, I'll kill two birds with one stone here and, and just uh, create some hybrids. And that's kind of where we're at today. Hence, hence all these, um, you know, these DNA altering devices they're trying to put into everybody. Uh, it's yeah, the yeah. same thing. Yeah, nothing news under the sun, right? Uh, yeah, contract law goes right back to it. And um, all right, so we were at words and contracts. So here we are. How does Jesus buy us back? Well, he needs to become a man. He needs to pay for our sins. And do you remember what he said on the cross? What was the very last word he said? It is finished. Okay. You know what that is in the Greek? Because we're, we're going to learn Christianese here. <laughs> the word is tetelestai. Or, and depending on, some people pronounce it different, tetelestai. But it's tetelestai. It's a root word is teleo, which means paid. Tetelestai means paid in full. Okay, mm. and is literally that's the exact word to tell us die that they would stamp on contracts that were paid in full back then. They'd stamp it paid in full to tell us die. All right, so 
we've been taught all these years, oh, it's finished. Oh, he's done with his job on earth. Well, he was, but that's not what he meant. What he meant was the contract has been paid in full because now I'm going to give up the ghost. They didn't take it from him. I'm giving up the ghost or his spirit. He gave up his spirit to pay for your sins. Well, like you said, sin is what separates us from God. So at the cross, when he died, his blood covered us. So therefore, said the veil was torn from top to bottom. There's no longer any separation between us and God. Exactly. It ripped that, that veil right in half because that was a separating wall. Yeah. He tore that. Now, now there's no longer that separating wall. Um, now, there's the communion supper, what we call communion, right? Which was the last supper, which is actually the first supper, believe it or not. Um, there is a marriage contract that they used to do in the old mm -hmm. days. And I don't know if you've seen um, before the before the wrath, the movie. Uh, Pretty good. So it 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 basically the the marriage supper was a a ketubah, which is a marriage contract. And what they would do is they'd have a dinner, and here we, we're going into both and territories. You know, but as far as interpreting things, um, I'm convinced everything that we argue about is both. And this is what I'm talking about, because there's one part of the Bible that says he chose us, and we didn't have anything about it. But then it also says you got to choose him. So we're like, well, which one is it? Well, it's both, because in the marriage picture that they have, the groom would look around and he'd say, hey, that's a hot little young lady. I want her. But at the same time, they would have this supper, have all the families around, and then he would take the bread, and they'd eat the bread and the, and the soup and all that. And then the, the proposal was this. It wasn't getting on his knees and say, hey, here's a ring. It was drinking out of the cup. So he would drink the wine, and he would take that cup, and he would hand it to the girl. At that point, the girl had to make a decision. If I drink this cup, I am committed, and from that moment on, I am technically married to this man, even though it's going to take a year or two to get to the wedding. Or she can put it down with no recourse, but that was it. She wouldn't get a chance again because he'd go marry someone else. So the picture of the Last Supper was actually the First Supper because what they would do is... The man, if she received it, they would all rejoice and sing and all, yada, yada, yada. And then he would say, I will not drink of this cup again until the marriage. And that's what Jesus said. I will not drink of this cup again until we're, you know, we're together again in heaven. It was a marriage proposal. All right. Now, yeah. when, when there's a marriage contract, there's a number of things that are there. First of all, he was the man that paid for a contract. Um, and then... Yeah, all the correlations with that are just amazing, you know. Once the proposal is accepted, what does the bridegroom do? He leaves and goes and prepares a place for his bride. And he can't go get his bride until the Father says that it is time. You know, Jesus said himself, I go to prepare a place for you. Even the Son does not know the time, only the Father knows the time. There's just a lot of just great symbolism. It's just rich with it. I think he actually says, honey, I'm home. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's honestly why we pride ourselves so much on understanding scripture in the context and of the time that it was written. Because there's so much symbolism and things associated with the culture that if 
you don't know what's going on. You're missing out on a whole lot of this story, and it's a beautiful story. Oh, it's amazing. It really is. And, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into more of that stuff, too. I, I tear all the old myths apart. Even the rapture is not how we've been taught. And, like, when it really doesn't say we're going to instantly disappear. It says we'll instantly be changed. That's different. Okay, all of a sudden we'll glow in the dark. That's going to be cool. And then we can walk around like imagine <laughs> glow worm. We're walking around. And anyway, that's a whole other story. Let's get back to the contract. So now here we are in the marriage contract because the groom is required to make sure that the, the bride is healthy and whole. So he gave his body that our bodies would be free from this sin. So he died for uh, all that sickness and stuff. And here we are, breaking of the bread, symbolizing a breaking of the old contracts, okay? And then the new contract, he says, this is my blood, which was shed for you. And this, remember what it says, is there's four different places, and depending on the King James or the other translation, it says this is the blood of the new... Covenant. Yep, covenant, or some of them say testament, okay? This is the blood of a new covenant. That word is diakethe in the Greek. And you'll never guess what that word is. Does it start with C? Yes, it does. <laughs> and it ends with entract. <laughs> I would like to select ancient cultures for 800, please. What is a contract? So it literally says that it's a blood it's a new contract written in his blood. Okay? So here he is, the creator of the universe, stuffed himself inside this man box for you to come and pay that contract, to pay off all of your debts, okay? To purchase you, to redeem you. We're being, I've been redeemed. He purchased you like you were a slave, and he purchased you so he can marry you. Okay? And it's written in his blood. So my question is this, do you think that Jesus is going to keep his end of the contract? Of course. It's not a man that he should lie. <laughs> no. So, would it behoove us to keep our end of the contract? Well, you would certainly think so. Exactly. And now when people understand this, oh, this is a contract with the creator of the universe who actually paid off my old one, I don't have to be like my dad was anymore? And I have a new contract, and all I got to do is two things. You know what those two things are, but let's see if you can pull it out your hat. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and love your neighbors you love yourself. <laughs> yep. Two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I can endeavor to keep that end of the contract. I may not want to, but can I do it? Yes, because love is a decision. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. I'm going to love you even though you can be a jackass. And that's in the Bible. I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I make that decision, then I'm keeping my end of the contract. Because Hebrews in chapter 6 says, if you tasted of salvation and then you go on your merry old way and you basically deny the contract, and say, ah, I don't have to do that. What are you going to do? Crucify Christ again? You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So here we are in both and territory. Are you once saved, always saved? Or can you lose your salvation? Well, the Bible says both. But here's the thing. Let, let's iron that out. 
Can we lose our salvation? Well, no, because Jesus, as we just agreed, is going to keep his end of the deal. But we can choose to throw it away. Well, and then he says, no man can pluck you out of my hand, which is true. So no one else can take you out of his hand. And I will never leave you or forsake you. So he's like, no one can take you out. I can never leave you. I will never leave you or forsake you. But yes, you're right. You could walk away from the contract. All right. Yeah. So you can not necessarily lose your salvation. But if you walk away from that deal, you got more problems than had you never been saved to begin with. Okay. So don't walk away and poo-poo that contract. You best stay in it. You can't crucify Christ again to pay for your sins again. So that's why, you know, uh, now with that, this revelation, I am trying to be nice to people. Uh, all right. <laughs> I don't have to like it. I just have to do it. Um, just gritting through your teeth. God bless you. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. <laughs> So here we yeah. are, it's both and, and it's part of the contract. And it's also why Paul tells us, you know, don't take this communion unworthily. And, and we've been taught our whole lives, oh, that means if you sin today, then don't take the communion uh, or, or some stupid nonsense like that. And I mean that in the nicest way. The What he literally is saying is, you are signing a marriage contract with the creator of the universe. You best be serious. Because the minute you go out with other gods, you are committing adultery. And that doesn't bode well for the king of kings. So if you say, oh yeah, I'm going to believe in Christ. And you take the communion in church. And then you're out you know, with uh, you know, tarot cards. And you're doing your witchcraft. You're reading your horoscopes. You're going out. You know, the, you like spirits. Oh, oh, spirits. We go to the bar and get spirits. This is because it lets the spirits in. All this is committing adultery with God on a spiritual level. That's not a pretty pick. So oh, yeah, yeah. when I've seen people, when you understand it, it's just such a simple contract. My my father, my grandfather got me into this this bad contract. And inadvertently or advertently, I did it as well. I did this and this and this and this. I'm in his contract. All I got to do is rescind my signature by deceit and fraud or mistake. Those are contract terms. Oh, it was a mistake. I really didn't want to do that. I just did it. Or even if you wanted to, an iniquity is something you do on purpose. You say, okay, I repent of that. I'm turning away and I rescind my signature. Now you can get out of that contract. But then we're into double-minded space. <clears throat> All right? And this is why we really have to pay attention to the old contracts that we have. Remember when Pete started walking on the water? Okay. A uh, little background to that story, if you know. Why were they terrified when they saw Jesus walking on the water? They thought he was a spirit or a ghost. Yes. And there, there's, there's more to that story, which I don't necessarily expect you to know. Well, I know the water symbolized chaos in the abyss. So when they seen him standing over the water like he come up from out of there, maybe he was a ghost or a demonic spirit of some kind. But no, enlighten us. Uh-huh, that's part of the story too. The How it went back then is the, the legends were thus. If you saw 
a spirit walking on the water when it was chaos like that that is one of the spirits of a dead sailor coming up to get you and it's your turn to go down into the abyss that's why they were terrified because they thought mm. they were next to die and then it's jesus like no nope, it's me boys i got this I, i'm the ruler of all this and peter's like are you sure if it's you tell me to come out he's like it's me peter come on come out here so he's pulling peter out and peter starts to walk on the water and then what happens to peter he considered the waves he's going over that old contract in his mind all right he wasn't there yet to like rescind that previous contract now he's got two contracts and this is why a lot of people don't get delivered okay they're saved they're healed they're everything's great we love the lord we're going to heaven but you still haven't rescinded your signature on that old contract and Satan is a legalist and he's going to hold you to it until you take your signature off of it. And that's when the servant came. He says, Jesus, heal my son. He's like, okay, your son's healed. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Okay? He didn't say, hey, belief is the opposite of unbelief. He said he had both. I believe, but help my unbelief. I had two contracts simultaneously, and that's where we get the dichotomy. And he says a double-minded man is unstable because you don't know which contract to go with. Okay? Why halt ye between two opinions? We've heard that. That's what it means. you got two contracts going on. Which one are you going to choose? Well, let's get rid of all the devil contracts. I can start with that. And let's just keep the one contract, the blood contract I have with Christ, which says, I am blessed, I am healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I'm healed. His report says, I'm joyful. And I receive all the blessings of Abraham. I'm going to go with that one. What do you choose? Choose you this day who you'll serve. You can't have two masters. Exactly. We all know this stuff. This is all tied together with the contracts. Now, that's the double-mindedness. This is the crux of it. And everything you see now in the Bible, you're going to see it in the form of the contract that we have because words are contracts. You are snared by the words of your mouth. Okay? And contrary to popular belief, that is not a prosperity message. He literally says, "Don't don't be a surety for for your stranger okay because you're snared by the words of your mouth if you you co-sign a loan for someone you don't think they're going to pay it back you're snared you know get out of that as fast as you can because it's a contract these are all contract terms with everything mm-hmm. and uh yeah kind of what the new agers call the law of attraction yeah they hijacked <laughs> that from god and, and he wrote their name on it you know uh yeah, yeah. sadly we shall all see who the author is uh, and they won't like it. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, we just pray for them too, because remember they're slaves. Yeah, yeah. And they were just put into that. So we pray that that we can, you know, uh, get in there, and that the Holy Spirit would enlighten them to uh, seek the truth, and that the God would use us as His mouthpiece, because we're His body, to go in there and tell them the truth. So here we are back into the flaming swords in the Garden of Eden with this original contract. 
you know, the angel came out and he had the sword going all over the place. Every which way but loose, right? So he's trying to hold on to it. I can see him now. Ah! So <laughs> that is the spiritual dimension. We ever wonder why angels, when they fell, cannot be saved. You know, remember when Enoch was, uh, he's talking to him and they're like, can you go to God and tell him we're sorry? And he's like, too late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, and then, and then, he, and then Enoch goes up to God and says, "Yeah, the angels, they wanna, they, they said they're sorry." And he's like, "They're supposed to be interceding for you, not that way, the other way around." So in His mercy, when we sinned, because in the day that you sin thereof, thou shalt die. Well, how come he didn't die that day? Well, he did, because a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. It's a microcosm of all of creation. Every last one of them did not live to a thousand years, even Methuselah. Yeah, yeah. Now, Methuselah was the oldest man on earth, but he died before his grandfather. And see, I think that's why it's so important for God to get the millennial reign, because he never got that. Satan robbed him of that. You know, the first day or thousand years, he didn't get to rule alongside Adam. So he's going to put Satan in prison, and he's going to have to be tied up and forced to watch what Satan took from him. That's right. Amen. I think he's going to be at the bottom of the toilet waiting for all yeah, yeah. for that thousand years. Hey, you stay there, but everyone's going to pee on your head, and we'll see you yes. at a thousand years and throw you in the uh, lake of fire. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So the flaming sword is literally a dimensional shield. All right, so you try and break through this shield, you got problems because once you get into the eternal realm, if you enter into the eternal realm with your sin, you're eternally sin. And in his mercy, he kept us out of the eternal realm until such a time he can send his son as a man to pay off our contract, our sin debt. So now we can look like Jesus when we approach a throne and then enter into eternity pure and whole. That's why we had the flaming sword at the Garden of Eden. In my humble, yeah, yeah, totally we, accurate opinion. Yeah, we done an episode a while back about the Garden of Eden, uh, the first rebellion, and mentioned the flaming sword. And in some translations, it says it goes this way and that, and how it resembles uh, a sword, how it's got the handle, the hilt, and the blade, and uh, how Jesus even said, "I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life." You know, no man coming to the Father except through me. How, you know, it could be a good possibility that, you know, it's Christ guarding the way. And even uh, Ezekiel 28 says that uh, Satan was a guardian cherubim. You know, Jesus took his place. You know, Joshua even says that uh, Satan is at the right hand of the Father. Well, and in Revelations, when Satan is thrown down, it says because there is no place for him. Because now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Right, well, he is light, so that, yeah makes total sense you know so he he is the and they the flaming sword is actually a uh is more accurately a a a um plasma blaze <laughs> it's more like plasma so that's pretty cool i think jesus has a good sense of humor because i got one so i must have got it from somewhere oh, oh yeah <laughs> no of course he does look at the story of jonah you know he told him to go to nineveh and he tried to run away he gets swallowed by a large fish and he's just vomited up on the beach of Nineveh who coincidentally worship 
a god called Dagon, who's a half fish, half man. And even in some depictions, it shows a, a large fish, you know, basically vomiting him out at his upper torso. So, of course, that's why they listen to him. They're like, oh, it's Dagon, or it's a messenger from Dagon. <laughs> of course, God's got a sense of humor. It's all through the Bible. He's <laughs> like, watch this. <laughs> when we look at this and we recognize that this is a contract, we also can easily see how simple it is to get out of it okay people are tormented for years and 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 here's these little demons and they're going but you this and you did this and and your grandfather did that and you're into this and it's never going to change and they're going on and on and on and on and people don't realize that so now they're, they're double-minded they got these two contracts they want to be saved but they're tormented their entire lives and like they're, oh i cast you out in the name of jesus well that's all fine and good they just come back because they got a contract all right that's like hey i got a, i got a lease on the house you can't throw me out of the house that's what he says this is my house you literally have to cancel that lease that they have yeah, okay yeah. and then bring it to the courts of heaven and say hey i canceled this and bring it oh oh yep that's my son he's saved okay and then, um, uh, okay, we'll get rid of the old contracts. But if you don't bring it to the courts of heaven, he can't do anything with it. All right? You have to bring it. Yeah, you have not because you ask not. Exactly. Or you even ask amiss. You're like, yeah, you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're, why, why are you asking for that when I told you to do this? Ask for what I want. So he wants to bless me, right? So I said, oh, thank you, Father, that you want to bless me. You want me to be healthy and wealthy and wise, and you want me to have good relationships. So I pray your will on my life instead of, oh, Father, please make me blessed and healthy. Oh, well, he's probably better at it, so I'll pray. Father, thank you that you want me blessed and healthy, and I pray for your will. So we ask amiss, and that's why we're not getting these things. So we bring all these contracts, if you understand that, and you can even repent and say, you know what, I don't know what my grandmother did. Maybe she was uh, you know, into tarot cards, and that's... That contract has come down. I don't know, Father, but I repent of any and all generational contracts that were written against me in the name of Jesus. And I, I just rebuke them out of here. And I accept the new blood covenant, the blood contract, the contract written for me in your blood, the creator of the universe, the most treasured and powerful currency in the universe because it purchased me back from the the depths of hell thank you god for purchasing me and now we we're here and he purchased us back with his blood and i know you talked about the whole verbiage of blotting out and i believe it was colossians that was pretty cool too i never thought of it that way with contracts so in colossians chapter two okay now follow this whole paragraph here it starts and leads right up to you're, when you die with him in baptism, it says you're buried with Jesus in baptism. Okay? What happens to a contract when you die? It's null and void. Boom. It's done. Okay? So now we are buried with him in baptism, but now we're raised again with him in the resurrection to new life. That's why we are new creatures in Christ. That's why he says, Behold, what manner 
of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called Benai Ha Elohim, the direct creations of God, the direct sons of God, instead of Benai Ha Adam, instead of a son of Adam, now I'm directly a son of God. Okay. Yeah, just like Adam was. The direct creation of God. What a marvelous thing. It's literally a new species that came into being. And then he goes on into verse uh, 14, and he talks about, um, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that were written against us. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean? Christianese. <laughs> what a, a handwriting of ordinance back then was a contract. They had a contract of some kind, whether it was a legal contract, whether it was a, like a court, like if a court said something, then they'd write that, here's the contract, you got to pay this, blah, 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 blah. He blotted them out. They would literally take, you know, like the FBI, when they, they send you a FOIA request and it's all blacked <laughs> out. So, but it literally means blotted out. They would take the, the ink bowl, right, and then the, then a big old cloth and they'd blot out the entire contract. Blot it all out, you couldn't read it, Okay. And then, in the next verse, he says that he spoiled the principalities and powers. In the Greek, it literally says that he stripped them of the power off of the contracts and held them up and mocked them publicly. That's the picture it gives. So, not only did he blot out that old contract because you were dead, and now that ends the contract, he paid anything that was due on that contract, now he stripped the power off of them. So when you recognize that and say, thank you, Jesus, for stripping these demons' power off, it, they will not bother you again because you repented. You rescind your signature. So now it's all gone. It's all gone, and he's mocking them in public. Boom, 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 boom. You guys are stupid looking. So now we can go on, and now we dwell in his house, like Psalm 27. You know, I want to just live in your house. Now we're not just servants in his house. Now we are sons in his house. Who's going to come against us when, you know, we're literally living in God's house? Who's going to come up there? So that's really powerful. Hang on. Well, while you're taking a libation there, let me ask you a question. Have you read that book called More Than a Carpenter? Oh, yeah. yeah, I just read that a few months ago, and that was such a great read and it's a real short book too it was written in the 70s i can't remember the author but i know the end of the book he was trying to explain salvation and he talked about a young girl that got a speeding ticket she goes to the court she pleads guilty it's like a 200 dollars fine well after the judge makes his judgment and slaps the gavel he removes his robe and comes down and pays the clerk and pays her 200 dollars fine well it turns out it's her father and he said and just like our heavenly father he is a just and honorable judge, and he keeps his word and keeps his promises. He couldn't pay for our debt or sin, just as the father, as the judge, couldn't do it. But the judge removed his robe and came down as a man and paid for his daughter's ticket, just as God removed his heavenly robe and came down as Christ, oh, excuse me, in the flesh, and paid for our sins for us because we couldn't. I mean, it was a beautiful picture, uh, just the way he described that. You know, it makes it very simple to understand. Amen to that. So if you can take that, I mean, that those are the depths of the contract and everything we did. Just like you even said, that that's a contract law. 
And if you understand that, all of a sudden, everything you've ever learned, when you look at it in the light of contract, you go, oh, now I get it. And you'll be able to explain it to someone. Hey, you suck. You're in this contract. Jesus can get you out and then sign a new contract with him. All you got to do is two things. You could do two things, right? Yeah, yeah, what's that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor like you love yourself. I can do that. Great, that's all you need to do. You have to be perfect? Yep, no. Yep. No, just accept that contract. I mean, people like that, like that change. And then we go into the prayers, all right? And um, uh, I'm going to start with one, and then you guys can kind of lead in that direction. I'm going to start with the generational ones, and then you can start with some samples of maybe you know, people um, are dealing with now, <clears throat> okay? And like, like I had to repent of um, reading the horoscopes. And recently he showed me another one. A friend of mine was into Reiki for a while. And he's like, and I, I had hurt my back. And he's like, oh, let me just, you know, like work some Reiki on your back. He, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm thinking it's a joke, but not realizing I got into a contract with that. I was like, wait a minute. I got to unwind from that contract. <clears throat> okay. Because I didn't mean it. But again, didn't, didn't mean it doesn't count. Oh, I didn't mean to shoot you in the head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory. And we thank you, Father, for sending your Son that we might be freed. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we repent. We take our signature off and, and turn away from any generational contracts that are on us unwittingly or even wittingly and unknowingly or even knowingly um, that any of our ancestors have done all through history, Father. If they come down upon us, we bring that up to your court and we say, we unsigned this. By mistake and fraud and deceit and we no longer are a party to this contract anymore and it's covered by your blood and we 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 accept a new blood contract with you in the name of yeshua amen are you guys yeah amen uh heavenly father we thank you for all the main best blessings that you pour upon us help us to remember that our uh our tongues you know that life and death lie in the power of the tongue and uh, we don't need to be just negative Nancys all the time and uh, speak negative things over our life and, and basically just speaking curses over ourselves. Help us to, to bridle our tongue and harness that and may our words from our mouth be, be, be sweet as honey and not only blessing ourselves but blessing others and not be speaking evil and uh, wicked things over other people, Father. And we ask, Father, that as we live our lives and you want to share things uh, to bring to our remembrance that we could also repent of, Father. Uh, they, with these hearts are yours, and we give you all the permission to, to reach out to us and let us know what they are. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, David, go ahead and uh, let our listeners know uh, your website, uh, your book information, where can they find you, your YouTubes. Uh, just go ahead and give your plug and let everybody know where they can find you and your stuff. Oh, that'd be great. The um, uh, I am uh, building out right now generationalcontracts.com, so it, it may or may not be up by the time you're listening to this. But the email is up, thehiddenday at protonmail.com. Uh, and if you send me a note, um, we are the, the book in pre-sale is, is twenty bucks, and you get a signed copy from me just to help you know support it as as it's being written. Um, you can send that. There's a whole bunch of different links. You can go to uh, supportthehiddenday.com, and that will 
bring you right to uh, a direct link or there's Zelle, there's Venmo, there's all sorts of different things. If you email me, I can get them to you. Um, I um, had the YouTube channel, but they took it down because they didn't like what I was saying. Everything's on Rumble. The, the entire channel is on Rumble. Just put in The Hidden Day on Rumble and you'll find my channel. Search under channel. And then uh, I'm, I'm putting it all back on YouTube. But it's going to just take a little bit as well. It will be back up there. It's on uh, Brighteon as well. There's a few other places, but primarily Rumble right now. And um, we're going to have everything back up shortly. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, David, man, once again, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. It was a really great stimulating conversation. Hope to have you back in the future. And uh, to all our listeners, I want to give a plug real quick. Uh, we have a, a GoFundMe account going and you can find the link for that on our Facebook page or also on our Facebook community. Or you can just go to GoFundMe.com and search up The Dig Bible Podcast and find us on there. If the Lord puts it on your heart to, to donate and you enjoy our content and want to help us better our content and make sure that we are able to keep doing this, uh, we'd really appreciate even if it's a dollar. You know, we got a little over 200 subscribers right now. If everybody just gave a dollar... That could help us get some better equipment and uh, avoid some of these technical issues that we got and hopefully upgrade to uh, videos to be able to go on YouTube here soon. But uh, once again, uh, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your prayers. And uh, just thank you guys for listening and keep on digging. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at thedig423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at The Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. you got to dig.